Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 470, October 5th, 2020. The high on this day occurred in 2011, one of the few modern records when it was 88 degrees and 25 degrees, as chilly as 25 degrees on this day in 1952. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic. With Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop, here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. As near as I can figure, there's still confusion about the President's condition. And whether he returns to the White House today or not, I guess, uh, remains up in the air. What's the confusion? Well, the whole weekend has been a cluster bleep of either real information or false information. I feel that I don't know anything about his condition. It sounds like they threw the kitchen sink at him. Okay, but here's what, when this was all unraveling, um, aren't there HIPAA laws? What are we? That's enti- what I thought. What are we yes. entitled to know? And I, Joe, do you care what his oxygen blood rate is? The bottom line is, I want to know: Does he know his name? Can he sign his name? Can he read? I'm not worried about how many times an hour is he coughing. Well, I, I don't know how to answer that question because uh, I, I don't know how to uh, judge the severity of his illness. I do have a prediction. Mm that he'll say at some point in the next week, if he's released, I'm not sure I ever even had COVID. (laughs) (laughs) I can see that. that. I predict he'll say something to that effect. I'm not Not sure it was even COVID. Not after what he said all weekend. He's not going to say that. But, Rook, it's funny you say that, because that was my first reaction, too. I mean, everybody's, there's such a thirst of, I have to know everything, and I have to know it right right now. First of all, like you mentioned, there are laws in place where people's, you know, medical history that that information's not supposed to get out. Right. I don't know if it's different because he's the president, but my God, people, calm down. And and why? I, what I wondered is why did we need to know that? The doctors are saying it's under control right now. Uh, we're good. We'll right. wait and see what happens. Well, I guess because uh, oxygen levels have some bearing on the severity of yeah. of the virus. I disagree with you two ding-dongs. Okay, uh, I, I think that's very important. Yeah. I don't know what it means, but, you know, go ahead and tell me. I, I have no idea what that means. How about when he went for a ride to wave at people? Yeah, I, that was a little odd. The Boy, Secret Service is not terribly pleased. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what? this is a great example of how it has been difficult to determine the threat level of this illness. He's a fat 74-year-old guy, and he might very well have had a, a good bout of this and might very well recover just fine. Then again, not all of us are going to get to go to the presidential suite at Willis Reed Hospital, as J.L. Coven called it. Oh, I know he's oh a, Willis Reed, okay. Proves, proves I'm not a racist. I'm at a <laughs> hospital named after a great African-American basketball player. Uh, but if he, if he snaps back and he's back on the campaign trail today or tomorrow or whatever, it just, it's, it's a further, uh, it's an additional example of how hard it is to, to, to believe the measures that have been put in place 
uh, to supposedly keep Americans safe. I mean, he's a notoriously anti-mask guy. Did you see where the uh, Supreme Court in Michigan slapped the hand of uh, Gretchen Whitmer? Yeah. Uh, The Michigan Supreme Court issued a ruling that many of Governor Gretchen Whitmer's emergency orders regarding COVID-19 safety are not legal. The stunning ruling said she illegally drew authority from a 1945 law that does not apply. One aspect the court pointed out was the redeclaring states of emergency in what has been a string of orders from Whitmer. The state of emergency is meant to last 28 days. The governor does not possess the authority to exercise emergency powers under the Emergency Powers of the Governor Act of 1945 because that act is an unlawful delegation of legislative power to the executive branch in violation of the Michigan Constitution. Accordingly, the executive orders issued by the governor in response to COVID-19 now lack any basis under Michigan law. Attorney Catherine Henry has argued against the governor's orders in court for the past six months saying Whitmer had no grounds to continue extending her state of emergency every 28 days, which is what Walls has done, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Michigan Supreme Court ruled two different ways on Friday. One rendered a unanimous 7-0 opinion, and the other was a narrow 4-3 opinion. Specifically, they said she has no authority on a 7-0 opinion, no authority to issue these executive orders according to the Emergency Management Act of 1976. That was the first part, and that was the part that was, that was unanimous, that she has zero authority to do this, Henry said. However, the governor issued a press release and said the ruling was 4-3. Henry explained the court actually answered two questions. The second question was whether the Emergency Powers of Governor Act violated the state constitution, namely the Separation of Powers Clause, Article 3, Section 2, when the court said in a 4-3 opinion in that regard was that, yes, the Emergency Power of Governor Act of 1945 is entirely unconstitutional. The governor has no way to rely on that act on our behalf. The ruling means that the Republican-controlled Michigan House and Senate will have a say in COVID-19 orders. Henry said the governor in her office took liberties uh, with the state law too far when she continued to extend those powers. Uh, The governor has had some very creative reading skills when it comes to our state laws in Michigan and the Constitution. Uh, The governor has said the new order does not go in effect until at least three months. You'll remember that she came up frequently early on. Uh, you know, you could buy lottery tickets, but you couldn't buy paint, that kind of thing. I mean, she was right. yeah. she, she was all over the map uh, picking winners and losers, as it seems. Uh, that's what's been happening in this state. Uh, many, many restaurants and bars in this state will never reopen. Well, let me share with you uh, something I retweeted from uh, Tony Jurgens. He is the state representative out of 54B in Hastings, Minnesota. He tweeted this this morning. Meanwhile, a restaurant in my district was fined $7,000 because an employee was not wearing a proper mask. And Hold on. Governor Walls, you said you'd work with businesses, not punish them. Your agency's carrying out. Your executive orders are hurting, not helping Minnesota business. That's BS. Come on. What are we doing Is that a restaurant in Hastings? I would assume. He said in in his district, and and that's where he's from, so that's what I would assume. Well, that's, that's obscene. What are we doing? Yeah. I talked to a retailer today who's hanging on. Okay. And they lost two million dollars uh, <sighs> between wow. you know, March fifteenth and, and now. But wait till you know it this week's gonna be nice. So a lot of these restaurants can probably salvage a little bit of money. Once the you know, once we hit November, 
these places are going to shut down forever. Right. Didn't the governor say initially that he wasn't going to go after and find these restaurants and businesses? Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. I swear he said that. Yeah. But Ellison, of course, out of control. Uh, Jordy sent me a piece. Uh, half of New York City's restaurants and bars may close for good. Yeah. Half. But Jordy notes, at least they'll have still have de Blasio and AOC to boost the economy. There yeah, right. Go. Make a big comeback. It's well, there was amazing. Another, there was another thing, too, I saw over the weekend that said, let me get this straight. I can go to the strip club right now, but I can't go to church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Essential Is that true? employees. I don't know if, if it was in reference to here, or what, but, it, but, you know, come on. What are we doing? Well, but what lesson is the country learning from this extraordinarily unique weekend situation with the president in the hospital? Uh, are we learning that with the right care, you can uh, beat this thing in 72 hours? Are we learning? What are we learning? We're not learning anything because I don't think we know anything. Well, you know, one thing I learned, and I, I'm not trying to make this about sports, but that we, we talked about it last week, that the Titans, the Vikings had played the Titans a week ago. And the Titans had, I think, 13, altogether 13 positive cases, and the Vikings had zero. And these are, you know, two teams smashing into each other for three hours. Okay, I have a more pertinent football question. But, but. The Chiefs, and I never miss a televised game with the Chiefs. The Chiefs were scheduled to play the Patriots yesterday afternoon. Mm-hmm. They're playing them tonight. Right. What's different between today and yesterday? Apparently... A number of players that had tested positive initially now tested negative, although there's a couple that still aren't going to be eligible to play. Like Cam Newton. Yes. Well, so they must be they must be getting tested around the clock. Yeah, they're tested da- daily and then in some cases multiple times a day. Because the only explanation I saw in the paper was uh, the game was postponed yesterday as a result of positive COVID tests. Yeah. Okay, but today we can play it. Right. Well, what the hell? Right. <laughs> That's just it. There's no, there's no rules it. as to what is picked and chosen. There's, we don't, and there's no game plan. Well. Which is why it's stupid to find a restaurant that's already down on their luck, $7,000 because just, you, yep. uh, you didn't have the right face mask. Uh, it's yeah, that's that's lousy. Whoever behavior. issued that citation is the worst person ever. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it comes right from Ellison, doesn't it? Oh, it does it really? I think so. Wow. He was the one enforcing this earlier. Way to go, well, Keith. Well, what I don't. Shame. I don't know that for sure, but that's. I guess I was just making an assumption. I guess I should probably do a little fact check. <laughs> I guess I could have too. <laughs> do you want to hear the greatest one sentence? I've ever heard about health care. Dry me out. Bring it. Bring it's it. from a lister. Troy and New Prague. This, this answers everything for me. Joe, why are we trying to make it affordable for everyone to get a $10 Band-Aid at the hospital instead of figuring out why the Band-Aid costs $10? Yep. There you have it. That's, that's, our, that's our national health care in one sentence from a guy in New Prague, Troy. Joe, why are we trying to make it affordable for everyone to get a $10 Band-Aid at the hospital instead of figuring out why the Band-Aid costs 10 bucks? 
<laughs> Ladies mm. and gentlemen, I have never offered you such clarity. Actually, Troy has never offered you such clarity. Well, if That's you, just, just amazing. If you want to get to the root problem of health care, the people that are most heavily or that most heavily scrutinize health care are health care employees. Mm-hmm. I'm not naming names, but I'm just saying that they're... What do you mean they're scrutinized? Well, no, they, they think it's just a corrupt system. The people that actually work in health care. Uh, does that make sense? Well, but just to piggyback off Troy, you know, why does an aspirin cost 10 bucks? Yep. Let's figure that out. Well, do you want to dive into the weeds? Sure. Because you've got a lot of high power, well, I'm not going to necessarily just say politicians, but people with authority that are in the pockets of all of these pharmaceutical companies. And one hand is feeding the other. Well, when I be the president, <laughs> I take care of that. <laughs> now Bernie's got her wrapped. He'll get her. He'll get her going when he's elected in four years. That's brilliant. We're trying to make it affordable so everyone can get a ten dollar band aid. Why don't we create and get back to the twenty five cent band aid? Right. I, I just, uh, I, I, to my discredit, I have not paid a great deal of attention to our national health care situation. Uh, it's it's like watching paint dry. It changes every day. I don't really have a handle on it. Yep. But I have a handle on that sentiment. Good Lord. That's an outrage. And honestly, it's it's the reason why not enough people are going to the doctor. And it's people that have health coverage but are saying, well, I, I can't afford to pay for this right now. Right. By the way, the CP is going to take me around the block today. I'm going to wave to people. <laughs> your mayoral duties yeah how did she handle that uh that drive by the president over the weekend uh, not well not, <laughs> not, not not well can imagine there uh, was some the, the minnesota department of public safety That's is that it. who issued the fine yeah okay want to go to duluth and capture the mayor emily larson in some windmilling oh love it uh, Emily, of course, is the one who didn't want anybody to use the word chief. About 20 trucks with signs and flags supporting Donald Trump paraded by Mayor Emily's, Emily Larson's house Friday evening, days after she called the president a white supremacist and accused him of sowing division. Ahead of Trump's rally in Duluth on Wednesday, the mayor condemned Trump's message of hate and division on a call with local and state Democratic officials. We have a white supremacist in the White House who cares only about himself, who says he is about law and order, but I can guarantee you is coming into my community disregarding the laws of health and safety for Minnesotans, Larson said in the call. Larson said vehicles circled her neighborhood for 30 minutes Friday in an attempt to bully and intimidate me. Exercising free speech is one thing. Blocking access to emergency response for an entire neighborhood is another, she wrote. Well, there's windmilling number one. What's happening at 38th in Chicago? Hello, anyone? Staff? Anyone there? What do you mean? The, uh, the well, no-go zone? I don't zone? understand your question. Yeah, we she said saying. exercising free speech is one thing. Blocking access to emergency oh, response oh, for an entire gotcha. neighborhood is oh, another. Gotcha. Well, Emily, that's what's happening right here in Minneapolis. Right, right. And then she goes on to say, since Friday, Larson said she received videos showing the same vehicles yelling racist taunts and harassing others at two different locations. She encouraged the public to report such behavior and noted that she didn't see any women involved in the caravan, honking, revving engines, and flashing lights outside her house. 
This was simply another example to, uh, to an attempt to utilize power to control a woman who, in their estimation, stepped out of line, Larson wrote. Uh, I guess what she's uh, suggesting is that uh, as, a, as a female, uh, her uh, role as mayor is in doubt. We, we don't know any of that. Well, she's a moron. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll supply her with a number of women who would gladly walk up to her and punch her right in the nose. Minnesota I mean, Republican stupid thing to say. Minnesota Republican Party Chairwoman Jennifer Carnahan on Monday pointed to recent instances where activists uh, showed up uh, at the house of uh, a Kroll and, and uh, carried on. You'll, we all know about right. that, don't mm-hmm. we? Mm-hmm. A truck parade is not bullying, Carnahan wrote, Carnahan wrote. Using the mayor's office to call president a white supremacist is. The day after his Duluth visit, Trump announced yeah. he tested positive for COVID-19. The mayor has since urged those attending the rally to get tested for the virus. The city issued a statement Friday saying they expressed concerns about masking and social distancing ahead of the event that the campaign chose to ignore. But, Emily, you can't have it both ways. Right. Uh, you, you can't condemn uh, the uh, people driving around your neighborhood saying they've blocked emergency response. Uh, and I don't condone that, by the way. Leave people's homes alone. Uh, but the same thing is happening down here, Emily, and I'm sure you don't disapprove of it. So No, of course you, not. You can't have it both ways. It's, it's that simple. And you're attempting to. And uh, what do you call it, Emily, when uh, Black Lives Matter and John Thompson went to uh, the home of Bob Kroll and uh, what's his wife's name, Liz Collin? And they beat up effigies in their own yard and they threatened to burn down the town. What do you call that, Emily? Well, she would call it progress, right? She would call that. that, that did you defend peaceful. that one, Emily? Yeah, peaceful protesting is what that is, Joe. It doesn't sound like you, uh, Emily, suffered any. Uh, damages thank goodness and again i'm not gonna i'm not in favor of going to a a politician's house they get it they get to live they get to have their home uh without being interrupted but doesn't sound like it was a terrible event some rabble rousing and and how she turned it into a feminist application is beyond me i didn't see any women doing this no no women this was just guys mm-hmm. with their pickup trucks spewing pollution into the air <laughs> Frequent contributor Downing has a wonderful point. A wonderful point. I also feel very strongly that I want to vote in person, and I think I figured out why. It's a form of protest. To me, it represents my own peaceful protest against where the mystery is trying to take us. Voting in person is my way of taking it to the streets. How about this for a GL t-shirt? Voting, the original peaceful protest. Why would you want to vote by mail? Show the world you care enough to show your face in public. Oh, I think that's right on the money. Right on the money. Nice. It's my own, it's my own peaceful protest. Uh, you guys, uh, two wonderful stories are flying under the radar in St. Paul, uh, both of which, uh, unfortunately, both of which uh, uh, predict our bleak future. Oh. Mm. Our bleak American future. Why don't you uh, anticipate those stories, and we'll be back mm. shortly. Mm-hmm. University of Garage Logic, 98. College of Self-Esteem, zip, nada, nothing. 
Here's Joe Suchere. Boy, the Chill Boys are getting Grunhoffered, ladies and gentlemen. Got another great email from uh, from Kevin. The owner says, Reeves, you got to read this one from Bob. He said, hey, I love my Chill Boy boxers. I tried my boxers many years ago, wore them twice, then threw them away. I'm a GLer, and I heard, heard them rant and rave about your product. They have a lot of street cred with me, and I always try to support their program by purchasing their sponsors' products. Bob, thank you so much for that. I bought an e-bike from EcoFun Motorsports, buy all my meat from Grunhoffers, and now I'm a Chill Boy's proud owner. Uh, by the way, here's the best part of the email. Yeah? P.S. Please forward this to Joe and Ruck. Let them know that I'm forever customer because of GL. That's all right. Bob, thank you for choosing Chill Boys. They are the most comfortable underwear that you will ever own, and they make a fantastic gift for anybody that's looking to make the change. Chillboys.com is their website. If you go on there, you can see their entire selection of bamboo boxer briefs and classic T-shirts and all the above. And if you order... And spend more than $40, they ship fast and free in the entire United States. Could you also make sure, uh, I want to make this clear because I'm not sure what you said. Did you say street creds or streak creds? Street. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, street creds. Chillboys.com, let them know that you heard about it on GL. I've been following two stories, one more preposterous than the other. Nice this one's right. the other. And the next one will be even more preposterous. Rook, maybe you've heard of this. I did not know that such a thing as Carver's Cave existed in St. Paul. Uh, it was marked by a uh, one of the historical signs. It's uh, near the Mississippi River below Dayton's Bluff. And there was a picture in the uh, St. Paul Pioneer Press, undated. It looks like to maybe be in the 50s or 40s. And it's a group of Boy Scouts in a rowboat in a water, in the cave. Mm -hmm. And I I did not know uh, this existed. Uh, The Joint St. Paul-Minnesota Historical Society Society Monument, which described the history of Carver's Cave from the first European encounter in the the 1770s onward, was stolen from cities, uh, was stolen from the city earlier this summer. Carver's Cave has been a landmark on the Mississippi River for more than a quarter uh, millennium, said Greg Brick, a former research scientist with the uh, DNR. I noticed the monument missing on June 13th, replaced by an orange traffic cone, said Brick, who called the plaque atop a limestone structure a point of local pride. I think what we have here is the result of improper use of city and state funds. I don't know what he means by that. Not everyone mourns the loss of the 1990s era monument, which has been criticized for being too Eurocentric in its telling of the cave's history. The city's decision to remove the monument followed the recommendation of tribal officers from the four federally recognized Dakota communities in Minnesota. The plaque describes Euro-American discovery of the cave and the cave's use as a tourist attraction in the 19th century, said Claire Cloyd, a spokeswoman for St. Paul Parks and Recreation. Nevertheless, removing the plaque now leaves no marker at all for the cave, and eliminating its limestone base makes a culturally respectful replacement plaque even less likely. Hmm. Long before their first encounter with Europeans, the Dakota people knew the cave located off the Mississippi River near the base of Dayton's Bluff as Wakan Tippi, which roughly translates as the dwelling place of the sacred or dwelling of the great spirit. It was also said to be neutral territory a place where members of individual native nations met to form alliances that allowed them to share the river system in peace. 
I think the monument removal wasn't because of the name being offensive, said Maggie Lorenz, executive director of the Lower Phelan Creek Project, which is building its own walk-on tippy nature center, nature center a mile west of the cave. It was more than just outdated, said Lorenz, who is Native American. In decades past, stories of different sites have been told from one perspective, and we're incorporating more perspectives. And it goes on to say that uh, colonial explorer and mapmaker Jonathan Carver marveled at the cave's white sand, soft sandstone walls, and petroglyph carvings of bears, turtles, snakes, fish, and humans in the spring-fed lake that began 20 feet from its entrance extended in his words an unreachable distance and this was he discovered this of course we're to understand that he didn't discover it because native americans had discovered it but and so that'll never be memorialized again as carver's cave uh, i have no skin in this game uh, i can't be too offended to lose uh, a monument that i didn't know existed in the first place but it sounds like it was a nifty tourist attraction. I'm struggling to picture where it might be. Uh, it, it might have nothing to do with the river. Uh, it sounds like it's a spring-fed lake. Uh, there's a lot of interesting water system development from Phelan uh, southward to the river. Uh, I discovered that when I walked through the old, uh, uh, what the hell is that neighborhood called, Rook? Uh, the Swedes Hollow. Cherokee, Sweet, Sweet, Hollow. Sweet Hollow. Sweet Hollow. You can see the, the water. And this, this might have been very well part of that water flowing out of Swede Hollow, continuing southward. And the next thing you knew, there was a, there was a, a lake and a cave. And the, the, uh, the paper has some great pictures of it. Uh, but it, 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 it goes on to say that, uh, that his life was uh, not without issue. Even though he wintered with Native Americans and he got along with them, the mere fact that he was white and European has discredited uh, continuing to call this Carver's Cave and whether a new, it's a, it's a bay, but a Makaska situation and whether a new walk on teepee sign will be put up TIPI uh, is anyone's guess. But what's the, the, the message that we're all to understand is that uh, th- this kind of deconstructing uh, our own settlement Uh, in Minnesota as having descended from uh, mostly Europeans uh, is really well underway and and presumably will not stop. And uh, again, I can't get too worked up over a cave that I did not know existed, but there you have it. It'll never be known again as Carver's Cave, and I would imagine to generations of people who knew about it, uh, that was something. So it looks like Carver's Cave is between um, physically between Warner Road and Mounds Boulevard, um, and, and off of the uh, monument is off of Mounds Boulevard, just a tish south of I ninety four. So it's up in that same area where the uh, bluffs are. Yeah, um, yeah, et cetera, et cetera, in that area, and but the Indian it, it, mounds. Right. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. But this is one of these situations. What I mean, do Americans realize that uh, Americans and Europeans really didn't discover anything here? Mm-hmm. I mean, they discovered it for Europeans and Americans and white people, but it's all been discovered before. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to have to keep doing this for every single landmark in the United States and Alaska and Hawaii, correct? Everything. Correct. All That's the that. rivers, all the lakes, all the mountains, everything. Right. Well, some of the oldest Native American uh, Indian burial mounds are 1,500 to 
two thousand years old. So they were right. They were walking this prairie and long it was, before, and it was before the Dakota actually, because the Dakota were actually pushed this way by the Europeans. Mm. Okay, now I'm bringing up the story that I've also been following. That's even more preposterous, uh, but it seems that my website hmm. just took it from me. No, no. Uh, oh, f- I think you're such a pro that you're going to be able to retrieve this sucker. Oh, come on, don't. Well, while you do that, we were talking about healthcare um, mm-hmm. earlier, and uh, it was—it's breaking right now. But Fairview has just announced that they are going to cut 900 jobs uh, before oh, the crap. end of the year 2021. This includes major changes—changes, changes, excuse me—to both Bethesda and St. Joseph's Hospital. Holy oh. cow! St. Joe's, too, huh? Yep. Keep talking. Uh, wow. Fairview Health announced a dramatic downsizing. Of, this is according to the Star Tribune. Fairview Health announced a dramatic downsizing of hospital and clinic operations today to stem financial losses, including the shutdown of the 90-bed Bethesda Hospital in St. Paul that had been converted in March to treat COVID-19 patients. Mm. St. Joe's Hospital will become Fairview's new flagship for COVID-19 care, but will cease being a general hospital as its emergency room will close by year's end. Wow. And specialties such as neurology and bariatrics will be relocated. Inpatient mental health care will continue at the downtown St. Hospital through at least 2021. 16 clinics in Minnesota and western Wisconsin will close and nine Hundred jobs will be eliminated as Fairview Health braces for a two hundred and fifty million dollar operating loss this year that was exacerbated by the pandemic. Think about that logic right there, ladies and gentlemen. The whole point of doing the bleeping shutdown was so we we wouldn't overrun hospitals. Uh, All right, that's all I have to say. That's huge. That's that's your democratic leadership, Chris. Right right in a nutshell, you nailed it, Kenny. How'd you do over there, cowboy? Did well, I give you enough time? <laughs> you finding it there, Scoot? St. Joseph was the uh, foster father of Jesus Christ. I have, another, no, I have no, a Tomball no, story. No, no, no. Really, this really angers me. The, the, I was about to click on the story when it disappeared because the uh, uh, the website put up the uh, SNL opening uh, at the top of the website, and it took up so much space. Uh, that a, that a real story disappeared from the website, so that the paper could celebrate this bleeping SNL opening mm. with Jim Carrey and uh, Alec Baldwin. In any event, it's What'd a you story. Think of the bit? <laughs> I didn't think it was that good. Although Carrey walking out firing the gun was pretty good. The uh, the story uh, is that uh, uh, it is being bandied about by those in the Historic Preservation Commission in St. Paul that they are finding. I'm paraphrasing now. I've read it twice, so I can paraphrase it pretty well. They are finding that uh, a historical preservation district in and of itself might be classist and racist because uh, not enough uh, uh, people uh, of, of marginalized incomes, for example, can afford to buy a home in a historic preservation district, Cathedral Hill in St. Paul, for example, Dayton's Bluff in St. Paul, for example, where uh, the idea that these exist uh, essentially celebrate a nostalgia for a cultural whiteness and uh, completely losing sight of the fact that you're not celebrating people. You're celebrating architecture. 
So that that's tantamount to saying that the architecture is not worthy of preservation because it was lived in by white people of means who built it. So, so by that standard, I'm, I might be a little off, but by that standard, there can be no histor- historic preservation districts, which is another step in completely dismantling who we are, what we've been, where we're going. We can't have them because the woke people among us believe that they're somehow discriminatory against people who cannot experience it. Well, there's no, there's no law. And in fact, they call it kind of a modern redlining, which is B as in B, S as in S. There's nothing to stop any person uh, in the city of St. Paul, regardless of their ethnicity or gender, from buying a house anywhere in St. Paul. So, so what you're telling me is just, that... Just income. You're telling me that historic preservation districts tend to become expensive. Therefore, we should take another look at them. Well, then don't have them. You can't have them then. Uh, Some people, some people, not done, some people actually believe they're doing history a favor by maintaining these great big piles of bricks. And it's it, it some people for some people it can be a sacrifice. Now, granted, most people that have these giant piles of bricks on summit probably have the means to afford it. But there are others who are very sincere in their efforts to maintain much smaller homes in preservation districts because they're historical, historical in architecture, historical in significance, historical in their timing. And now we're being told that, well, this isn't really should be the case because this excludes too many people. Well, you can't live like this. You can't, you can't live by making everything political. You can't live by making everything race. I, don't not, I do not know a single black soul who would be uh, uh, disappointed because we have a historical district. So the, the Mill City ruins or... Uh, you know, gold medal flower that the, the original buildings downtown Minneapolis didn't all races eat flour, eat sure. wheat, eat. Yeah. So I mean, I don't understand. But why. this is homes more than. Okay. Here's okay. What, oh homes. God, I was just about to read from the article you were talking. Here we go. Uh, the HPC. You find it? Yeah. Now dissecting questions of bias and exclusion. Most recently at a roundtable discussion, August 24th, number one, strict adherence to our guidelines is an issue for working class residents. Two, we need to explore funding resources for low income and minority peoples. And three, we need to practice using simple language and not complicated preservation lingo that can be restrictive. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Interpret that for me. I can't. Uh, read it, read it, it again. Down, read it again, and I'll interpret for it. Us? Read it again, uh, they, and I'll dumb it down. They need to practice using simple language and not complicated preservation lingo that can be restrictive. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, what they're saying is uh, we've become so tony in our beliefs here that uh, we almost speak our own language of preservation, and that's exclusionary. Yeah. <laughs> I did a column on a guy about two years ago. You guys might recall this because it came up on the show maybe two or three years ago uh, of a guy who used to be on the Historic Preservation Commission who was being given great grief about his driveway and told what kind of materials. Remember that? Yes, Yes, I did. And he said, well, do these people realize that originally it was probably just dirt? 
a right. dirt driveway, and right. he had some sort of uh, paver blocks or something that that didn't meet the aesthetic of the commission. And so you have that yeah. aspect. You have that aspect of the commission, but it seems almost inevitable that that the commission itself has now become so intent on signaling virtue that they're even doubting whether they should have historic preservation districts. Mm-hmm. We so can't live like this. You could make a difference here because they have four vacant seats mm-hmm. on that commission. Turnover within the 13-member HPC Ron, ha- uh, introduced Joe, a handful of new faces in recent months, including a new chair, immigration attorney, Teresa Kimker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, that that uh, for all I know, she's a preservationist. But if she's an immigration attorney, that tells me that she would cast a, a, a wary eye on the idea of preserving some beautiful old home on Goodrich Avenue in St. Paul, because she might be of a mind. Again, I don't know her, but she might be of a mind to say, "How is that inclusive?" Which is why you need to scoot in there on one foot and lay down the law, Mayor. <laughs> but. <laughs> but think of the ramifications. Think of the ramifications. Yeah, I am. I am. If, if, if the Carver Parks of the world have to go, uh, and now suddenly you're elevating it to residential areas. Uh, You'll have nothing. What an entire blandness uh, might wash across the land. Uh, you're seeing it with the removal of statues. You're seeing it with the renaming of lakes. And now now we're working up to neighborhoods. We're working up to, to be able to say to some obstetrician and his lawyer wife who have the means to do it, we really don't, uh, we really don't think that you need to apply for any historical preservation here because we're not going to condone this as a preservation district. In fact, we'll probably be campaigning to turn these places into sixplexes. right right i mean where where, where could this this go where could this possibly take you if you are so hung up Mm -hmm. in your own lack of wisdom that you don't even understand that what you're celebrating is architecture not people then you're in you're in the you're in the business then of condemning the architecture as being Mm -hmm. built on a false narrative holy mackerel there will be nothing safe from the wand of wokeness that's being applied all across our society. Nothing will be safe. The wand of wokeness. Yeah. Wow. I didn't, didn't know, know I'd be this good today. I didn't know I'd be this good. Yeah, right. <laughs> the Heritage the wand of Preservation, the, this commission, it was established in 76 with nothing but good on its mind. Of course. You, you know, they started a back to the city movement where they started preserving these old places instead of tearing them down and turning them into, you know, condos or parking lots or whatever. Right. And now they're getting in their own way. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, they're windmilling themselves. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that uh, Cathedral Hill neighborhood. Oh, man, that's, yep. If I, S- Summit Avenue. Oh. I love it. I, my, I, kid, I, my kid looked into renting an apartment in one of those classic old homes, and uh, I think it was about $1,900 for a, a place the size of a fish house. <laughs> it was yeah. really small and very expensive. But uh, the interior and the exterior, oh, my goodness, Beautiful. What's going to be the motivation to preserve if ultimately 
you're going to be seen as classist and racist by the efforts of your preservation because the efforts of your preservation result in a property that is not affordable to most white people, much less most black people. What's the point, then, of you doing that? The woke are going out of their way to find bias and problems where there where none exists, where mm-hmm. there isn't any. Mm-hmm. They're creating it out of thin air. This is amazing. This is a really good read, Such. It's a it's a uh, Fred wrote it. Yeah, it's a situation that tells us uh, that distinction is under attack. Distinction, uh, innovation. Uh, and again, going back to the simplest thing they're, they're overlooking, the simplest thing they're overlooking is when you have a historical preservation district, you're not preserving the people who once lived there and built the places. You're preserving the architecture. Mm-hmm. You're preserving Cass Gilbert or whoever the architect was. You're not preserving the fact that they were a well-to-do white family, for God's sakes. You're preserving the architecture. You're preserving uh, slices of the city that are historical in nature and beautiful for all to enjoy because there's nothing to stop you from going for a walk or riding your bike around there. I, 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 I just uh, am astonished at how rapidly we're attempting to destroy ourselves in so many ways under the under the false narrative of somehow this will result in fairness that it won't result in anything there's nothing to stop anybody from buying a home in a historic preservation district no nope. except your income yep right right including me including right. yeah yeah it's tough for middle income people yeah you know. it it yeah <laughs> Uh, I, I just find it astonishing that we're so hell-bent on, on being uh, signaling a virtue that has no end game. There is nothing virtuous about even questioning historical preservation districts. The commission now, from this one, two lines here in Fred's piece, it's, it's towards the top, towards the beginning. In addition, the rules to protect older buildings from demolition can effectively prevent new housing contru- construction, another barrier to entry for new residents. Entry to what? <laughs> so, no, no. So basically, the commission is saying we're getting in the way of new construction here. Yeah, because we've made it so hard to demolish these places. If we could just get these old classic houses torn down, we could throw up a piece of crap, six-story garbage, <laughs> you know. Multiple and, housing. That's exactly right. what they're saying. They're they're devouring themselves. Right. They're saying, we've worked our asses off since 1997 to have a historic preservation district, but we now realize that that's been preventative in terms of uh, developers coming in. So we've got to ease up the rules. So in other words, we shouldn't have a preservation district. Yeah. yeah. Gets me back to my earlier point. Earlier point. What's in it for people of means to, to take on this project and preserve a home? If, if, if now they're even unclear as to whether it will be allowed to be done or the rules could change in the next five years, they get a knock on the door and it's the City Bureau of Racial Inclusivity and they say your, your place is coming down because we're going to build an eightplex here. Do we have a racial 
What was no, it? No, it's a new we department. Will. No, there's, it's coming. You could get them. You could get them. You can say, don't give them any ideas. Yeah, on the way. Oh, oh boy, Carver's Cave and Historic Preservation District. The only thing St. Paul has going for it right now, and to me it continues to be a miracle, a miracle, are essentially strong neighborhoods. The city has hung on pretty well maintaining strong neighborhoods. I don't no. know how that I don't know how long that will last. Other than the uh, break-ins and the whole right. you know, home invasions, it, it's and the it's being chipped away. You know. It's being chipped away. At. It's being yeah. chipped away. At. Well, how about the story? Was it this morning, Kenny? The three kids that were between the ages of thirteen and fifteen that hijacked the car. Yeah. By the way, if if I retweet that and uh, these three kids, you know, and they're they had been involved in crimes before, but they're dead now. And if I retweet that and you retweet me and start celebrating their death, you get blocked. Like I no. did two people this morning. You don't celebrate anybody's death, you complete assholes. Fill me in on this. These are three teens who were fleeing the police, and they all died yeah. in a car crash? Yep. Yeah, the car rolled, and they died. And evidently, these three had been involved in some uh, earlier issues from what I'm reading. They were all ejected from the vehicle, Kenny? Is that right? I don't know if they were ejected oh, or... Okay. Uh, you know, I don't know the circumstances other than so, they're deceased. Yeah. But right, celebrating that is way, you don't you, way, you just don't do that. Just don't say anything, uh, homie. Don't play that game. But right. you know, bring you it bring it back to do with those people. But bring it back full circle. If if they were in school, this probably wouldn't have happened, right? Who knows? Who knows? When did it happen? What time of day? It was this morning. Two thirty, I think. Well, you're not in school at two thirty in the morning. No, but you probably would have been home. I, you're saying structure. If you're if you're right, a little yeah. more structured right now, or right. not? I understand what you're saying. Well, I uh, I will remain silent on that because I I don't know. But it seems to me that uh, structure is the least of your problems if you're wandering around at two thirty in the morning looking for mischief. I give you that. Well, it's like you've been saying for years, Joe. It's the breakdown of the family, mm-hmm. the ignoring of religion and faith and everything else that goes along with it. Well, mm-hmm. throw in Carver's Cave and Historic Preservation Districts. Everything's, everything's, everything is suspect right now. Everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible to me. The only thing that's not suspect in our current world is meat. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> is the meat from Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo on Highway 61 at the north end of Hugo. Nothing suspect about meatloaf. Nothing suspect about a Philly beef patty. Nothing suspect about a Bloody Mary brought in your Bloody Mary. Nothing suspect about bacon and ham, what steaks and burgers. I don't even know who this is that's speaking right it's now. It's like Lawrence Welk went to England. <laughs> the Philly patty, red and green peppers, onion, Swiss cheese, all mixed together in a third-pound beef patty. Throw those babies on a hoagie bun and then add some ah, just. No, that's au jus. <laughs> au jus. Au jus. Au jus. <laughs> I got her. I read I it wrong. I read it's it wrong. What are you going to do? He's what are you going to do? <laughs> great, great bacon for the BLTs. Oh, oh, what a great, what a great weather week of grilling we have this week. Have you guys seen the weather forecast? Oh, it's going to yeah. be spectacular. Could hit eighty by Friday. Uh, get to Grunhofer's. You'll have a lot of fun. You'll meet other GLers, and you'll be going home with the greatest products you can find because they have become the meat capital of all of Gumption County.
Is that a cylinder index or his golf score? Either way, it's a big number. Here's Joe Suchere. Hey, Such, before you yep. get into your next topic, I have a question for you guys or maybe the GLers. So, I got that sweet new smoker from Fratelloni, uh, yeah. that smoke fire. Yeah. Can I leave that outside of my patio during the winter? Do you guys know? Uh, what? Why couldn't you? Well, I'm just wondering. Is if there it's, a cover it, for it? Well, I could. Go, I guess I could go to Frats and get one, but I just didn't know if if I can leave that outside. Well, it's not electric, is it? It's it plugs in. Oh. You probably, uh, I would ask, but my guess is those things are so tough and made so well that you probably could, especially if you're using it. That's what I was you wondering. Should, but uh, I would check consult, with... Uh, yeah, consult the governor and Keith Ellison and the uh, Democrat Party. <laughs> yeah. they'll, they'll tell you how to live you don't your want life, to be... Reavers. <laughs> you don't want to the rest of us no, fine. <laughs> yeah, the rest of us don't give a rat's ass what you do down there in Carver. <laughs> I err on the caution of putting things away if I can. Yeah, and that, Absolutely. I, I want to keep yeah. it nice, so that's what, but I want to still use it. So that's why I was wondering if I can if I can leave it out or not. Well, along those lines, somewhat. Good afternoon, Mayor. On this beautiful Sunday afternoon, I'm in my garage staring at my coveted stash of garage wood. I'm rather sure this topic has come up recently on the podcast, but at that time, uh, moving out of the city limits wasn't on our horizon. Needless to say, the CP and I have quickly reached our limits and have now started the process of preparing to move to a saner, more common sense area if we can find it. So what am I to do with this wood? There's no way the CP would let me haul it up to our interim residence, which will be our cabin. Good luck, Mark and St. Paul. Uh, no, uh, Mark, your wife's wrong. You have yeah. to take the wood. Yeah, yeah she's There's no, she's just wrong. wrong. That just, right. There's no question yeah. about this. You're... <laughs> You, you can't sacrifice. Right, you can't sacrifice your lifelong collection of garage wood. I, I have a, I have something. It's Mark, right? Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Think inside the box. Mm-hmm. Box it up and just write on the box garage or shop or whatever. Mm-hmm. She'll never know. She'll never mm-hmm. know what's in there. Just box it up. Plus, wh- why? What could possibly be her objection? <laughs> well, Unless he's got you know. A thousand square feet of it, or something. See, I, in eighty years of marriage uh, to the roommate, what I've discovered is it's just <laughs> let's avoid all discussion, all discussion about everything, and that's that's the secret to happiness. Don't talk about stuff. Watching, <laughs> yeah, this is something you don't have to talk about. Just box it up and write some phony label on it, and away we go. And watch the same show from different rooms. Yes, and text each other. Did you just see that? (laughs) You guys should have the right answer to this. I'll pause for you to fill it in. uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom, while... The state continues to burn. ...signed into a law, a bill Wednesday, that will establish a task force to study and develop proposals for paying reparations to the descendants of enslaved black people. Assembly Bill 3121 calls for a nine-member body to make recommendations on what type of compensation, if any, should be awarded and who should be eligible. In addition, the group can recommend to the state legislature how California can offer a formal apology for the perpetration of gross human rights violations and crimes against humanity on African slaves and their descendants in the elimination of state laws that disproportionately impact black people. California has come to term with many of its issues, to which I would add, but not burning down. But it has yet to come to terms with its role in slavery, said Assemblywoman Shirley Weber, a Democrat who authored the bill. 
we're talking about really addressing the issues of justice and fairness in this country that we have to address. The group will study the lingering effects of slavery to include how it benefited public and private institutions and may have contributed to racial disparities in incarceration, unemployment, wealth, housing, health care, and education. Why didn't any of this come up when we had a black president? Uh, the bill said 4 million African Americans and their descendants were enslaved in the U.S. from 1619 to 1865. The late Representative John Conyers, uh, Democrat Michigan, introduced slavery reparations and legislation in the House each session for nearly three decades with no action taken. In 2019, Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, Democrat Texas, introduced a bill to establish a commission to study and develop reparations proposals. Uh, advancing this cause where it's not just a question on a questionnaire for a candidate running for office, but actually taking shape here. That's a meaningful moment, Newsom said before signing the bill. This conversation is long overdue. So is the conversation long overdue about how you're not going to let your state continue to burn down. Uh, As Jordy notes, California was never a slave state. No one alive was a slave. There are no slave owners alive. We had thousands of black slave owners. The first American slave owner was black. Newsom is not very bright. Good luck, Jordy. Uh, This is an impossible question. It should never come to pass. Uh, There's no there's no reasonable way to uh, to even uh, take this uh, issue as a serious, serious uh, question. Uh, California, you should be just why don't you just rest on the laurels on the fact that you were never a slave state. Yeah, I just point wasn't that out. part of the Civil War. Wasn't that a big discussion during that uh, that time? Which states would be allowed to have slavery and which would not when they were still considered territories? I don't know. I do not I'm know. Have that. To do a little research there. I don't think Minnesota was ever a slave state. No, of course no. not. No. No, the uh, Mason-Dixon line, well south of us. Uh, so many of their wineries are now destroyed. Uh, Four million acres. Uh, that's a lot because you you get away from playing the lake game. Uh, Four million acres in California is the is the head of a pin, but that isn't the point. Uh, so much property and life was destroyed, and uh, you got Newsom worried about everything but that, and you've got a California Assembly worried about everything but that. That should be the most. That should take the most priority in the state of California as to how to keep your state from burning down. And don't give me this climate change BS. California has burned since the beginning of time, or at least since it has been configured as we now know it, which is uh, what? Multiple ten thousands of years? Right. Mm. So don't don't give me your crap, Gavin. Uh, he's just a fool. Well, once just we get fool. the Green New Deal, these fires will just go away, Joe. You can right. make them go right. away. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can make them go away. Hey, I have a quick question. The uh, the Carver story that you were reading earlier today in relation to St. Paul? Carver's Cave. Uh, it, what was the name? Carver's Cave. No, 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 but you said there, there was a name attached to it, correct? Isn't that what Walk you said? Walk on Tippy. Okay, gotcha. Because I had to do some research on my city yep. to see if that was in, if we were in trouble, but we're, we're named after something different, so I was just curious. What's your name, Chan Jonathan Hansen? G. Carver? No, Jonathan Carver. Oh, that's a different okay. Carver. Yeah. yeah. Here I've got, I, find, I finally found it. This is a map, 1858, and of course the Mason-Dixon line was out east, but uh, the slave-owning states were south of Iowa. So Missouri was one, Kentucky was one. Uh, there wasn't a Kansas; it was a territory. 
Um, and then the, there was Texas, but then we had Indian Territory between Texas and uh, Kansas, and then the Nebraska Territory, et cetera, et cetera. California, always a blue state, mm-hmm. or it was a free state as of 1858, I should say. I wonder why the northern states were not slave-owning states. I, I, uh, I, I'm sure a lot that, of it I'm, have... I'm sure much has been written on that. I, well, a lot of it had to do with agriculture, did it not? Uh, I, I would imagine so, sure. Why were northern states not slave states? What a lovely day out. I'm watching the wind. Mm. I love yeah. when oh, a, a Chris talks out loud when he types. Right. He's, he's, <laughs> um, he sticks sorry. his tongue out of the side of his mouth, too. As <laughs> I he's... Do. Uh, Reeves, that's an academic uh, discipline that's probably had volumes written about it. I don't think you can give yes. us a, a one-minute uh, synopsis on uh, that. But agriculture might have something to do with it. For the academic desireness of this <laughs> oh, uh, stipulation. Found, oh, no, I didn't. Never mind. I thought I found it. Maybe as the nation industrialized, uh, there was no need for slavery. There was need for employment. Right. But Jordy, right. at the end of that, was it Jordy that sent the letter? Yeah. Was that kind of a, a really, a really interesting fact that nobody discusses about slavery is that there were a lot of black slave owners, and that over in Africa and even South America, it was black tribes, men, people, whatever, selling other their enemies to the slave traders. Right. So it was blacks selling blacks. Right. Huh. You okay, Matt? Yeah, it's just was uh, that too much? just wanted us to know where he was still here. Yeah, I didn't know where you were going there. Yep. Just take a drive through a historic preservation district while they still last. Yeah, no kidding. Or better yet, just park your car and go for a stroll while they still last. Before they're torn down, we make multiple housing units for people. Uh, that 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 means then it will no longer be a historical preservation district. So they don't quite have their act together. Say. Uh, uh, very good, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, oh, okay. yeah. I uh, yeah. I have to prepare now for Monday night sports talk. Yes, that was that wasn't much of a Vikings victory, to tell you the truth. Well, they yeah, barely hung on at the end. Let's take it where we can. Well, here. What a what a boy did Houston get robbed on that call? I I give him that catch. I give him that. Catch. Well, especially I since give him that catch too. Since it was ruled a catch on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I thought for sure that that it was going to stand. I think I the only you th- vowed not to watch the NFL this year, Joe. Not, oh yeah, you. What are you going to do in my condition right now? I think the only thing that was missed in yesterday's uh, football matchup was the I don't know face mask where the guy had his face mask for about twenty yards and they did not call it. <laughs> or how about when Zimmer pulled it down <laughs> to talk to the ref? <laughs> I want to uh, <laughs> wait a minute. I want to address uh, Kenny's comment. I watched the first quarter yesterday in the house, and I yeah. couldn't take it anymore. I thought to myself, how can people sit in their house on a gorgeous afternoon and Guilty. watch this? I, I've been I, asking you guys that for years. Guilty. So I, I got up and moved around as much as I could, and I, then I oh. turned it on in the garage, and I watched the last 10 minutes. But how can people watch this? Uh, not not that it's not that football can't be enjoyable, but how can you how can you give up an afternoon of sunlight in October well, to sit in your house? Wait, wait. Is, your, vampire? is your philosophy the same for golf? No, I will not sit in the house and watch golf. Be, what? 
I'll stand in the garage and watch it. I'll stand in No, I'll stand and watch it. I'll stand in the garage and watch it. It's the same. No, at least the door's open. I'm outside. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're fact, not going to win this one, man. I did both. That's Joel. outside. That's Joel, outside. I did both yesterday. Uh, it was me and the little guy home by ourselves. She and the oldest were out, out the door. So we watched the end of the game. Then he wanted to go for a bike ride. So we biked over to the school. There was a bunch of okay. kids playing. Hey. And I played all time QB with a bunch of eighth graders. It was awesome. Oh, you just right. beat a couple of them right oh, in the face? I, I drilled one kid right in the stomach. He goes, quit throwing it so hard. <laughs> I was forced to watch it because I had my oldest son is home, and uh, he is one of those guys that is just parking his rear end in front. So oh, I can't do it. It's just it's just my personality. It has nothing to do with football. I can I look just, outside and still see it. A couple outside. games we had the TV just outside, set it yeah. there, TV and, and yeah. watch. That's fine. What I was doing yesterday is none of your damn business. <laughs> you you know, you know what, crap. Kenny? No one even asked you. <laughs> We've How do you learned like that. We've learned. No one even asked you. <laughs> What were you doing? <laughs> I think Get I know what he was doing. Reavers. Let's go. Okay, let's do that. White House Press Secretary McEnany, McEnany uh, infected with COVID. Yep. Mm-hmm. Doctors to rule on Trump discharge, developing. Mm-hmm. Uh, president didn't disclose his positive test. Don't tell anyone. Lied to Hannity. History of falsehoods. Comes back to haunt. Secret Service agent. He's not even pretending to care now. Reckless. President is sick, but followers feel great. I will die for him. Chief of Stack Mark Meadows spins and spins. West Wing in meltdown. I'm reading the subheads at the top of the Drudge Report. Mm. Good Lord, what a mess this is. I think uh, your co-host of Monday Night Sports Talk has a few thoughts about um, the president making a little trip uh, over the weekend. Might spill over from the Viking game into uh, maybe some light, pol- treading lightly on politics. You yeah. know, did did, uh, did Pat uh, not like his little well, spin Pat around I, the block to wave to Pat people? Pat and I recorded the, uh, the Royce on Baseball podcast earlier today, and um, he had a mini tirade. Let's just yeah. call it a mini tirade. I just hope he doesn't eat my lunch like he did last week. Oh, you have to tell Joe and, Rook the, or Joe and Kenny the story? Uh, my, what I, happened? I had my salad sitting out there. Yeah, <laughs> And I had had, you know, me, I don't know. Four pieces of chicken, and I put some uh, uh, of the dressing on it, and, and then I just left it there because we did the show. And then I came out after Sports Talk. I went to yeah. get my salad. I open it up, and it's a crisp, virgin, clean salad. So what he did is he just opened He's like Sid. He just opened it up and just started chowing on it. And, oh. you know, there was, there was dressing over here, and my fork was over there, and, oh you know, my God. half the chicken. And, uh, he didn't say anything. He came over to me, and he said, um, I'm pretty sure Pat ate my lunch. <laughs> mm. Oh, so I, I better go check and make sure he didn't finish yeah. off my tater tots. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right, GLers. Thank you. Rook, tell the people about Pod MN, will you? You know, I have Pod MN on my app. And why do I do that? Because there's a lot of up and coming, and well, there's a lot of great podcasts already established in Minnesota, but Pod MN likes to highlight uh, some of these new ones and highlight some of the great ones like Garage Logic. There's a brand new table talk out. Uh, Roy, she's going to do a new sports one. And we got Monday Night Sports Talk coming out. So check out PodMN on your app store, uh, smartphone, or PodMN.com on your computer. You can do the same thing. Highly up and coming, and I really uh, suggest you follow PodMN and sign up. It's PodMN on your smartphone and PodMN.com on your computer. Thank you. Talk to you later. <laughs> also, garagelogic.com is a beautiful website. And check out what the latest episodes are on that list as well. Okay.